you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you do know Christ as your Savior and you've been thinking about getting baptized, I would encourage you to sign up at the Information Center today. It's right around the corner outside this door of the Information Center. But baptism is that public declaration that your life belongs to Christ. It doesn't save you, but it's an important moment in your relationship with the Lord where you let everybody know that you've decided to follow Christ, that you're buried with Christ and risen in in newness of life. Uh, I really enjoy our church picnics, and so we're looking forward to next Sunday uh, together. This morning we'll be in 1 Samuel 3 as we continue studying uh, 1 Samuel. Hearing can be a little bit of a delicate issue, can't it? And we know that at times uh, people he- lose their hearing. And this was an elderly woman that was dealing with other issues in her life other than, than hearing. As she was actually really struggling with passing gas. Passing lots of gas. So she decided, I'm going to go to the doctor. And I, I need to get this fixed. I need to get this taken care of. She's in the doctor's office and she says, it's getting so bad. I was in church on Sunday and I had five silent admissions right during church. Silent but deadly, right? She goes on to say, my husband and I last night, we were at church or we were eating out for dinner and wouldn't you know, four silent admissions right, right during dinner. And since I've been in the doctor's office this morning, six silent admissions And the doctor just looks at her and says, well, first thing is we need to get your hearing checked. (laughs) Another elderly man was concerned about his wife's hearing, and he went to the doctor to talk to the doctor about it. And so she just seems like she's losing her hearing, and she doesn't realize it. And the doctor said, okay, we're going to do this little home hearing test. When she's working in the kitchen, get about 20 feet away across the house and ask her what's for dinner. And if she doesn't respond, get closer and and closer until she finally hears you. All right, that sounds like a good good idea. Gets home, sure enough, his wife's working in the kitchen and getting dinner ready and 20 feet away. So, honey, what's for for dinner? No response. So he moves in closer, five feet closer. Honey, what's for dinner? No response. Moves in again. Honey, what's for dinner? No response. Now he's right over her shoulder and he says, honey, what's for dinner? And she turns around in anger and says, for the fourth time, chicken. (laughs) We're going to talk about hearing today, spiritual hearing and hearing God's voice. So now that I've killed you with those jokes, let's pray together and seek God's heart. Father, we thank you that we can laugh together, that we can enjoy time together, but even more importantly, that we can seek your heart. We know that this is such an important issue that we would listen to you You're our good shepherd. You know us. You call us by name. Would you help us to have ears to hear what your spirit would say? In Jesus' name, amen. In John 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they hear my voice. What's the identifying relationship between us and God, Jesus as our good shepherd, is that we hear his voice. What's different about God's people than people that don't know the Lord is that they can hear the voice of their shepherd. They hear the word of God and they go, that's my father speaking to me. That's my savior that is speaking to me. They hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart and their life and they go, that's God who's speaking to me and leading me and guiding me and directing me. Eight times in the gospels, Jesus says, he that has ears to hear, let them hear. 
Many people missed Christ's message, even though they heard it physically, they didn't have hearing spiritually. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches in Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3, and he begins every letter with, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God is speaking. There's no doubt about that. God's a communicator. He's always speaking. The question is, am I tuned in? And that's the title of our message this morning. Am I tuned into his frequency? You've got the rabbit ears. Maybe some of you have your rabbit ears to, to get the local channels. And as you're dialing in those rabbit ears, you've got to make sure they're positioned just right. You're tuning in a radio station. You've got to get it dialed in. And many times we've got to get tuned in and dialed in to God's frequency. We're going to look at Samuel this morning and his experience with hearing God's voice. It's the first time that he heard God's voice. And there's a lot of principles, a lot of applications that we can apply to our lives as well in hearing God's voice. So let's look at chapter three, verse one. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. We're gonna ask a few questions this morning. First is, who did God speak to? Who did God speak to? He spoke to a child. A quick review, if this is your first time with us in 1 Samuel, is Hannah was barren. She wasn't able to have children. She cried out to God saying, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll dedicate him to your service. He'll grow up in the tabernacle instead of in our home. And that's where we find Samuel. He's a young boy. He's growing up ministering to the Lord in the tabernacle under Eli's supervision. And that's the person that God's going to speak to. He speaks to a child. Is there something about a child that's important for us to emulate when it comes to hearing God's voice? I suggest to you this morning, absolutely yes. The disciples asked Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's a pretty bold question. These guys were extremely competitive with each other. They wanted to know who, who is the greatest. Was it Peter? Was it James and John? And Jesus then picks up a child and sets the child in the midst of them, a little child, and says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you be converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, you want to be saved? You want to be in the kingdom of heaven? Have faith as a child. Why? Because children trust what you say. If you take a young child and you say, that shirt right there, it's green. They're going to go, absolutely, that's green. I trust what you say. You could really mess with the mind of a child if you pointed to a green shirt and you said, that's blue. They would grow up their life thinking that that was blue. Now, some of you are smirking right now because you've done that, you know? <laughs> you've messed with the mind of a child that way. If you take a, a young child, they'll just naturally want to jump into your arms. If you're at the swimming pool, they'll just want to jump off into the, into the water, trusting that you're going to, to catch them with no idea of what they're getting themselves into. You put a young child on the stage here and you stand here, and what are they gonna wanna do? They're gonna wanna jump and they're trusting that you're gonna catch them. It's amazing the kind of trust that young children have. And so God chooses to speak to a boy. He's not a teenager, he's not a college student, he's not a man, he's a boy to show us the importance of childlike faith. When it comes to hearing God's voice, you have to trust that he speaks and take him at his word. Samuel's going to take God at his word, and I think it's significant that God speaks 
to a boy. During this time, verse 1 tells us that God's word was very rare. There was no widespread revelation. We have to understand how privileged we are to live in the time that we do spiritually because God has given us widespread revelation through his son and through his word. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the express image of his person. So he's the exact representation of the Father. He's the brightness of his glory. That God in past times spoke in various ways through the prophets, but now in this time has spoken through his Son. The scripture, Genesis to Revelation, gives us the full understanding of Jesus Christ. We have that revelation. When it comes to God's voice, what's the number one way that God speaks to us? It's through his word. He has communicated to us. It's not this mystical thing. I hope that God would speak to me. It's very personal in his word, and we have to understand this is God's communication to me. Also, God will speak to our hearts through his still, small voice. Another advantage that we have as believers is the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Samuel didn't have that. Jesus told the disciples, when I go away, it's to your advantage because the Spirit's going to come and live in you and be your comforter and your teacher. Old Testament believers didn't have the Word of God in the way that we do. They didn't have the Spirit of God living inside of them. So if the Spirit is speaking to us, He'll never contradict the Word. Sometimes you've experienced people that have expressed, well, God told me to do this. Well, that's interesting because It's an exact contradiction to what he's already said in his word, so it must not be the Lord. So that's the measuring rod, if you would. That's the standard, is God's word and his still small voice in our lives, but we're so blessed to live in the spiritual age that we do, because that wasn't the case when Samuel was a child. Verse two, we address another question, and it's when did God speak? When did God speak? And he spoke as Samuel was ministering to the Lord and then going into verse two, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. Two things about when God speaks. Second question to consider is many times God speaks when we're ministering to the Lord. What does that mean? There's a difference between ministering for God and ministering to God. Ministering for God is when you do physical things for the Lord. Maybe you're serving in some aspect of the church. You're reaching out to a neighbor. You're serving your family. It's a physical task for the Lord. But ministering to the Lord is simply drawing near to God to bless his heart to spend time with him, to worship him in praise and adoration. Mary and Martha were sisters in the Gospels, and Jesus was coming to their house. Martha was consumed with ministering for the Lord. She was doing all these wonderful things for Christ, preparing the perfect meal. All Mary wanted to do was sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his his words. What did Jesus then instruct us? That Mary had chosen the one thing that was needful. Have you noticed a lot of times God speaks to us when we don't have a perspective of, Lord, I need you to speak to me, but I'm just coming because I'm so thankful that you're my father. I'm so thankful that you've adopted me as your son. Ladies, you've adopted me as your daughter. Thank you that I have eternal life. I'm here to worship you, and in that midst of ministering to the Lord, then God speaks to us because our focus is on him. So we need childlike faith. 
We need a a focus of ministering to the Lord like Samuel. And then also, God spoke at night here. He speaks to an unusual individual, a young boy, at an unusual time. You wouldn't necessarily think that this would be a time that God speaks, but I've found oftentimes in my life, nighttime is a perfect time for the Lord to speak, especially as I'm trying to get to sleep. Our house is full, it's active, I love it. We've got four beautiful kids, ranging from age 11 to age three. My wife and I are fairly energetic, and so all four kids, when they finally get to sleep, oh, it's a wonderful moment in our house. It's a small miracle every night. I finally get to bed, put my head on the pillow, and our house is still, and my mind begins to race. And I begin thinking about things that I didn't have time to meditate upon through the day. And I'm sure it's the same for you. You hit the pillow and then your body's tired, but all of a sudden your mind starts thinking about this challenge, this joy, this financial situation, this relational difficulty. And that's the moment oftentimes that God wants to speak to us. And there's actually a lot in the scripture about God speaking to us in the night season. David writes about it a lot in his life. I want to read a few things out of the Psalms. This is Psalm 16, verse 7. It says, my heart instructs me in the night seasons. David realizes God's speaking to me in, in the night seasons. He was listening for God's voice in, in the night seasons. Psalm 63, verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. So he's making the intentional effort to remember the Lord when he is lying in bed. Think about it a little differently for some reason if you can't sleep or you wake up at two in the morning. Could it be that God's wanting to speak to you? Is he wanting you to get in the word? Is he reminding you of a truth? Is he encouraging you to pray for somebody else? You ever can't go to sleep because someone's on your heart and mind? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying, They need your prayer right now. I want you to to intercede for them. It says, I meditate upon you in the night watches. Sometimes David was forced into situations with the loss of sleep because he had enemies that would attack at night. So he's got to stay up all night. And instead of just wasting that time, he took advantage of the stillness of the night for God to speak to him. Maybe you have some night watches. If you have an infant right now, you have some night watches that non-sleep is forced upon you. Maybe you have a job where you work nights and to say, okay, there's a stillness about the night. Maybe the Lord would desire to speak to me and commune with him at that time. Psalms 17 verse three says, you've tested my heart. You've visited me in the night. When does God speak? He often speaks in the night when things are quiet. Also in verse three, notice where does God speak? The third question. Is there a principle here for us Where does God speak? He spoke in the tabernacle. Samuel's in the tabernacle. It's where he lives. It's where he serves. The tabernacle is the place where God's presence dwelled. God chose to put his presence in this location, the Ark of the Covenant, prior to the temple. Where does God's presence dwell now? It's not this building. There's nothing magical. There's nothing mystical about this building. We're thankful for it. It's a place for us to gather. But where does God dwell? He dwells in the hearts of his people. He tabernacles in the hearts of his people. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God's presence joins us here as we gather in his midst. But when we're gone, it's just an empty building. It's kind of a big, eerie building 
when all the lights are out and it's, it's late, late at night. But when you're here, it's filled with God's presence because when two or three are gathered, God's in our midst. We come together weekly expecting that God's gonna speak to us because we're gathered in his name and we're studying his word. God speaks through his word. He speaks in his tabernacle. But this isn't the only time that the church gathers. Church isn't just this big corporate gathering. It's any time that you get together with believers. You can have church whenever you feel like it. You can gather together with, with those that love, love the Lord and you just begin to share life together and talk together and share Christ and all of a sudden you hear the voice of God. Ever had that happen? Having some barbecue with some friends? Shooting the breeze, quite literally. Start to share and they start speaking to you and you're like, oh man, God's speaking to me right now. He's speaking to me through this brother or sister in Christ. So I think there's a real principle here for us. God speaks in the midst of his people whether it's here in this congregational gathering or we gather for coffee, we grab some lunch, gather together in our homes. In verse four, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. So God calls Samuel's name. The fourth question, why did God speak to Samuel? Why did he speak to him? Is there something about Samuel and his character that would lead us in the right direction of hearing God's voice Samuel had faithfulness. He was faithful to God, even as a boy. Several times already in chapter two and three, we've seen that he ministered to the Lord. He ministered to the Lord. He did these menial tasks in the tabernacle to the Lord. He was faithful. If we're not faithful in the little things, why is God gonna trust us with his message? But if we're faithful in the little things of life, what people would say are menial then we become a person that God can trust his message to. If you're a student and you're going to college, you're going to high school, be faithful in that task because you're being a person that God can entrust spiritual riches to. In work, be faithful, working under the Lord because that's a character trait that God can say, you're being faithful in this area of your life. I know that you're gonna be faithful with my message. God knew that Samuel, even as a young boy, would be faithful to what he entrusted to him because he'd been faithful in the little things. Also, there's a tenderness about Samuel. There's a tenderness there. He's open to God speaking to him. He has to learn to recognize God's voice, but his heart is still soft and open to the things of God. I think sometimes when it comes to God's voice over time, the more we mature in Christ, the more we lose our tenderness to God's voice. Remember when you first got saved and you first started reading the Bible? I remember when God got a hold of my life and I first started reading the Gospel of Matthew for the first time on my own. And it was so personal, it was so relevant, and I was expecting for God to speak to me through his word. I wasn't reading it to try to get a message to preach. I wasn't reading it to try to encourage others. I was overwhelmed with God's love for me and knew that he was gonna speak to me through, through his word. And over time, we tend to lose that and we start to get to this place of saying, you know, well, I'm reading this to share with someone else. This would be great for my spouse. This would be great for my kids. This would, would be great for my brothers and sisters in Christ, but we've lost that innocence and that purity of studying God's word to, to speak. This dates me a little bit, but I would serve in children's ministry in high school. And if you served in children's ministry, then they'd give you a free cassette tape from the 
sermon. And our pastor on Wednesday nights was going through the book of Romans. And I would serve with the fifth graders, fourth and fifth graders. And I'd go up to the tape window and I'd say, hey, I served in children's ministry. And could I get a tape? And they'd give me a tape. And then I'd go home on a school night and stick it into the cassette player and stay up till 11 at night listening to the Bible study. I just, I longed for God to speak to me. There was a tenderness that came and a hunger uh, for his word. But then Time goes on and, and you lose that expectation. You lose that tenderness. Remember when you believed in the still small voice of God? That when God spoke to you to go out and reach out to someone that you didn't even know, you followed that, put somebody on your heart at Starbucks, at the grocery store, and you said, I'm going to go talk to them. When God urged you to give in a certain way that you wouldn't normally give, to drop off some groceries to someone. And now we're just like, oh, I must have just been the pizza I ate. God doesn't do that. He, I've seen people do some weird stuff with that, you know, claiming it to be God's voice. And somehow we've gone to the far extreme where we don't even believe that God can speak to us through his word. We don't think that the Holy Spirit can lead us or, 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 or guide us. And Samuel had that, ten, that tenderness before the Lord. Is there a reason that God doesn't speak to, to Eli in this situation? Eli's the resident expert but God's speaking to a boy because the condition of Eli's heart is in the wrong place. We might be the resident expert at church attendance. We might be the resident expert at Bible reading, but God's not speaking to us because we've lost the proper condition of the heart. We've, we've lost the tenderness. There's faithfulness, there's tenderness in Samuel, but I think most importantly, there's responsiveness in Samuel. He's ready to hear God's message and do something about it. And we lose that over time as well. We become excellent hearers of the word, but there's no indication to actually do anything about it. I think on a very core level this morning, we'd all say, I would love to hear God's voice. I would love for God's word to be personal to me. I would love for God to lead me. But in reality, we have an area of our life that we don't want to hear from God from. We're saying, honestly, I know if God speaks to me, He's going to challenge me in this area, and I really don't want to respond. I'm really not convinced that his way is the best way to do it in this particular situation, so it's easier to tune out instead of tune in. I think there's a real reason that God spoke to Samuel. This is now this experience that Samuel has with recognizing God's voice in verse 5. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call, lie down again, and he went and, and lay down. Samuel's old. The Bible tells us that he was very old, or excuse me, Eli was very old. He's sleeping, possibly snoring, and here comes little Samuel. Hey, did you call me? What, what do you need? No, 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 I didn't call you. Go, go back to bed. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for you called me. He answered, I didn't call my son, lie down again. So it ha happens a second time. Now Samuel didn't know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He hadn't had this experience before. God hadn't spoken to him in this way before. He hadn't come to recognize God's voice. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Samuel's getting more persistent here. He's saying, I know you called me. It's just me and you here in the tabernacle. It has to be you. I keep hearing my, my name. 
And now Eli is perceptive to what God's doing. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Sometimes we get to be used by God to help other people recognize God's voice in their life. This is pivotal for Samuel. It's pivotal for us as well to start be as God's sheep to go, that's the Lord. That verse is for me. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me through these other believers. I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to, to something on the radio. It's Christian radio. and That, that, that was shared right there. That, that's for me. I recognize it. It, it. It's God's voice. And Eli's used in Samuel's life to help him recognize God's voice. Someone's sharing with you, and man, I really feel this, and man, that sounds like the Lord. Sounds like God's wanting you to take a step of faith. Sounds like God's really convicting you. Uh, the last few months, I've had fun doing a little call-in show on Fridays on Grace FM. It's 101.7, so from four to five, people can call in with questions about the scriptures, things that God's doing in their life, and it's really a, a fun time. And this guy called me a couple weeks ago, and I can share this because it's on the radio, so it's not like a private conversation. And he said, I was at work today, and a coworker and I were talking, and he said, you really need to follow God's conviction in your life. He said, I couldn't stop thinking about that. I don't know what that means. What does it mean, God's conviction in my life? So, so what's going on in your life? And he begins to share and he was in a, in a sinful situation as a believer, and God was convicting him. And so much fruit came out of that simply because a coworker said, sounds like God's speaking to you. Sounds like God's convicting you. You should follow God's conviction in your life. And he gets off work, and he can't shake it, and he calls in on a radio show to talk about it some more. See how the Lord used that? That guy was an Eli in his life. And as you hear of God doing something in someone's life, and it sounds like the Lord encouraged them in that manner. In verse 9, Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. When God calls, respond. When the Lord's urging you to get in the word, get in the word. When he's saying, take a walk with me, take a walk with me. When he's saying, park the car and, and listen, park the car and listen. And so Samuel's learning this. God's calling me by name, so I'm going to get up and, and respond to the Lord and put myself in the position, the posture of listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That attitude of humility of, God, I'm ready. What, what do you want to say? That simple prayer. What if that was our prayer as we got into the word in our devotional life? God, just speak. I'm your servant. I want to do what you say. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to respond. I'm ready to obey. Here's the message that God gives to Samuel. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. This is the kind of sober tingling. This is the shock of hearing bad news. This is going to be the judgment upon Eli's house. When 9-11 happened, there was a tingle that went into the ear of the nation. It shocked the heart of our nation. And it's the same way when this is going to happen to Eli's house. And that day I will perform against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. 
For I've told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Israel's going to be attacked by the Philistines. They're going to lose the Ark of the Covenant. Eli's sons are going to die. Eli's going to die in the same day. And this is the first message that Samuel hears from the Lord. That's a difficult first message to hear. For God to speak to you and say, I'm going to judge Eli's house because he didn't restrain his sons. He didn't ever stand up to them and say, you can't continue in this as a priest. Samuel may have been hoping for more of a Psalms 23 revelation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ooh, I like that message. That'll preach, right? I'll share that with Eli in the morning, but that's not what God shared with him. In verse 14, And therefore I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Samuel lay down until morning. It doesn't say that he slept. I'm sure he was thinking about this encounter that he had with the Lord, that God spoke to him, this heavy message of judgment that was going to come upon Eli's house. Wakes up, opens up the tabernacle, and he's afraid in his heart to deliver the word of God. And I think we all wrestle with that if we're honest. As we read the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, sometimes we're afraid to share that with others. We're afraid to share with an unbeliever the gospel, the good news, because it starts with bad news, doesn't it? It starts that we're all sinners. If we don't realize that we're sinners, then why would we need a savior? And go, man, if I share this with them, I could be risking a friendship. If a fellow brother or sister in Christ is, is really struggling, sometimes it's hard to open up the word with them and say, you know, let's look at what God's word ha- has to say. It's so easy to talk about sports, politics, the weather, but even as believers, sometimes it's difficult to share God's word. There's a fear factor that comes with sharing the message of God, and Samuel's wrestling with that. He doesn't want to give this bad news to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son? And he answered, here am I. I wonder if the back of Samuel's head, he's like, oh no, here we go. Eli's going to ask me about what God spoke to me. Verse 17, and he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he had said to you. Eli has a hunch that this has to do with his sin and judgment upon his house. And he says, Samuel, you better tell me everything or the bad news that's in there, it's gonna come upon you as well. Focus in on verse 18. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. This really hit me this week. Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. What's the spiritual, cultural environment in which we live? That the whole counsel of God is no longer accepted. So there's a tendency inside of us to shrink back and say, well, I'm not going to share everything of God's word with people because it's not popular anymore because it's not going to be received and we're becoming more and more ridiculed by our belief in what the scripture says but here's the test church here's the test who are we to change God's message 
Our job is to give it just as it is. Amen? We're to tell everything and not be ashamed of God's message. And Samuel shows faithfulness where he doesn't change the message of God. As the messenger, we didn't write it. We didn't come up with the word of God. This isn't our message. And unfortunately, Christians are starting to pick and choose out of the scripture what they want to believe. And we don't have that liberty. We've really overstepped our bounds if we said, I'm going to believe this part, but I'm not going to believe that part. You got to take all of it or take none of it. You got to share it all. You got to believe it all. And unfortunately, churches have moved in in that direction as well. But there's more to this discussion. You got to share all of the truth, but we're required by God to share it in love. To share it in love. Sometimes Christians share the message of God in hate and in resentment. And there's this fear where we're losing freedoms. We've got to defend our freedoms. And so there's this hateful, vengeful tone that comes out with the message of God. And is that Christ? Is that the way Christ shared? God calls us to share the truth in love. And when we share the truth and we don't have any love, sometimes we do way more damage than good. And we can walk around feeling really prideful. Oh, man, I just shared the truth with them. I just pontificated on my Facebook account and Twitter how wrong society is and what's up, you know? I'm the Bible man. I'm the Bible woman. I got them. You know? God's going, and it's still a small voice. Hey, where's the love? Do you love that person? Do you care about that person? Have you surrounded the truth with, with love? The love of God is what makes the truth of God palatable. It's what allows us to accept the message of God when we see the love of God, and that's a real challenge. It's something we're always trying to aspire to and grow to, and a lot of times as the church, we err on one side or the other. We compromise truth in the name of love, and that's not love, but then we declare the truth without love, and we want to find that balance that's found in Christ, that he was full of grace and full of truth. Don't water it down, don't change it, but share it in love. Samuel, he didn't hide anything, he shared everything. In verse 19, so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Culture may not accept you for sharing God's word, but if you share God's word in love, if you hold to God's word, God will honor you. Not that your life will be easy, not that it won't be the absence of difficulty, but God was with Samuel in a special way because Samuel honored the Lord and he honored God's word. You're in high school, you're in college, you're at the beginning phases of your life and you're trying to make decisions, you honor God's word and you'll never regret it. Maybe you're far beyond that point. Whatever stage you're at in life, honor God's word. And notice what happens is Samuel honors God's word. God was with him, and none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. Why? Because he was speaking the message of God. You speak the message of God, and God's word will not fall to the ground. Share it. Share it in love. Share it in truth, and God will honor his word. His word's powerful. More and more as I journey in life, I'm seeing the importance of sharing God's word. People don't need my opinions. What do I know about their situation? I can hardly figure out my life situation. All I know is God's good and his word is good and his word has the answers that we need. Open up to the word and say, I'm not sure, but 
This is what God says. I'm not sure, but can I pray with you? I know that God, God loves you. And as we honor his word, God's word won't fall to the ground. In verse 20, and all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. A few years ago, we were able to take a group from the church over to Israel. Lord willing, we'll be doing that again in February of next year if you want to join us. But I had an awesome opportunity to go from Dan to Beersheba. And if you look at a map of Israel, Dan is the very northern border of Israel that borders current day Syria, the Golan Heights, which is a very war-torn area. All that you read about in the news, you can actually see from the Golan Heights. And this is the area of Dan. And then Beersheba is the far south, the wilderness area. So this would be the expression of from New York to Los Angeles. Throughout the whole country, from from Dan to Beersheba, God established Samuel as a prophet. Samuel never set out to be a prophet, to be the one that God spoke to, to have God's message. He simply fell in love with the Lord and was faithful to minister to the Lord, and God raised him up. And God will establish who he pleases. Psalm 75 says, For exaltation neither comes from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God's the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. God puts down Eli and he exalts Samuel. I want to encourage you, look for God's establishment upon your life. Put your focus on him, seek first the kingdom, and let God do what he pleases in your life. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors in vain who builds it. That's a warning. God's saying, look, don't try to build your life apart from me. It's not going to work. But it's also an invitation. God wants to build your life. He wants to establish you in different areas of life. Seek him first. Work hard. Be faithful. This isn't some kind of excuse to not work hard. This is not some kind of excuse to not pursue things that God's calling you to. It's an exhortation to be faithful, but in the midst of our faithfulness, we're not trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in the Lord, saying, God, I desire your will for my life. And there's a huge difference between someone trying to prop themselves up in different areas of life and having God's hand upon your life. You can't substitute it. You can't buy it. You can't shortchange it. It's God's work and it's his will and saying, God, I'm seeking you. I'm in love with you and I want what you desire for my life. Has your life turned out the way that you thought it would? You know, premarital counseling is always pretty humorous. My wife and I, in that season of our life, we had it all figured out. We had this plan for our lives, and nothing has gone the way that we thought it would. Absolutely nothing. But it's been better. It's been better than what we thought it would. See, God has a plan. Oftentimes, it's not our plan. And when we surrender, we take our hands off of our life and say, God, I want what you want. God will be faithful to establish, just like he established Samuel. Verse 21 Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Samuel is going to enjoy a lifestyle of God speaking to him. And Samuel being that messenger and sharing the word of God with others. Am I tuned in to God's voice? Am I tuned in to God's voice and to his frequency? Do I have childlike faith? Do I take God at his word? Do I minister to the Lord? Am I more concerned with hearing his voice or concerned with being in love with him? Do I respond when he calls? 
when he knocks? Am I willing to hear and obey? Turn with me in your Bible to Psalms 46, verse 10. Psalm 46, verse 10. Psalms 46, verse 10. I think this is one of the more difficult commands in the Bible. It is for me. It says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Many times the reason we don't hear God's voice is because we need to slow down the velocity of our lives. We're too busy. We're too distracted. There's no stillness. Be still. Stop. Stop working. Stop worrying. Stop texting. Stop. Turn it off. Be still. Be silent. And know he's God. He's got this. He's exalted over the nations. And when we come to that place of stillness, many times we then discover the voice of God. We're going to do this. We're going to apply this right now. We're going to take just a few minutes to wait upon the Lord in silence and listen for his voice. Maybe there's a verse that he reminds you of. He gives you the reference. He speaks that truth to your heart and your life. Maybe he gives you a word of encouragement lets you know that he loves you. Maybe he puts somebody on your heart that you're supposed to start praying for. But let's just see what God would do right now in our hearts as we're still before him. Jesus, we thank you that you're our shepherd, that you know us, that you speak to us, and we want to hear your voice. Father, we thank you that you're our dad, our Abba Father. And as we're still for just a few moments, we ask that you would speak to us. We want to listen for your voice. Has God spoken to your heart? Just respond. Settle now this issue of obedience. Say yes to the Lord. Choose that point of action that God is speaking to you. Amen.